on, can we just magnify him for a moment all over this place? He is great and greatly to be praised. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Welcome, everyone, in Jesus' name to our first word this Sunday. Uh, I'd like to give a welcome to those who are joining us online and watching online. I know we've got some who are out today. We are praying for you, and we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. To start off this morning, I will be reading from the book of Luke, chapter 10. And let's go ahead and stand for the reading of the word once you have that open. Luke chapter 10, starting with verse 29, says, But he, willing to justify himself, said unto Jesus, And who is my neighbor? And Jesus answering said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment, and wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance there came down a certain priest that way, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise a Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him, and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him, and went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and set him on his own beast, and brought him to an inn, and took care of him. And on the morrow when he departed, he took out two pence, and gave them to the host, and said unto him, Take care of him, and whatsoever you spend more, when I come again, I will repay you. Which now of these three, think you, was neighbor to him that fell among the thieves? And he said, He that showed mercy on him. Then said Jesus to him, Go and do likewise. Go and do likewise. And as you're closing your Bibles, let us pray. Jesus, we thank you for being the author and the finisher of our faith. I thank you that we can find everything we need, joy, peace, love, truth, goodness, grace, and mercy in you. Lord, I pray that you would help me to be a vessel for your word and what you desire for your church today. Help us all to be hearers and doers of your word today and every day. In Jesus' name we pray and everybody say amen. For our first word this morning, I am going to be teaching and preaching on this topic selflessness, compassion for others. Selflessness, compassion for others. From the dawn of time, humans have asked, am I my brother's keeper? When we read this, when Cain was approached about the whereabouts of his brother, this was his response. Am I my brother's keeper? One could interpret this as being quite selfish. And frankly, I, would, I think they would be correct in thinking so. Throughout the past few years, and I couldn't give you a specific date or time or anything like that, but, but there's been this wave, if you will, of aggressive self-expression. Self-expression that has popped up in ways like having the mindset of winning is everything, even if the win is by intimidation. The success that has come to be desired is that which is measured by achievement or position, even at the cost of your relationship with others. The question seems to be, can I get what I want out of life, and how soon? How soon? It's the plague of instant gratification. 
It's the plague, as I like to call it, of putting the needs of others aside so much as to never give others a thought. And as we read this parable that Jesus wrote of the Good Samaritan, we are reminded that we should not disregard the needs of others. We should not ignore those things that the first two did that we read who just walked by, one on one side and one on the other. Now, contrary to what the world says about it, we should be ready. In a world of selfishness, we should be ready to give of ourselves to others. Why? Because you never know when the opportunity to speak Jesus to others might come. You never know when you will have the opportunity to witness to others. You never know when you will walk by someone in need and be given the opportunity to help that person in need. With that, if we are given the opportunity to do so and we hold back from doing it, nobody may be aware of it, nobody but God. God knows the heart. He knows whether or not you see the need. Looking forward, we as the church, being selfless and having compassion for others, do good for those in trouble. As we do good for those who are in trouble, God looks out for you. He looks out for us. You see, and as I will get into in just a moment, Fleshly drives, fleshly drives, those of the flesh, and spirit drives are in conflict with one another. They are never really on the same page. Why? Because to be a human is to struggle with selfishness. And I want to talk about this selfishness to, uh, for a bit to start. There are those who struggle with drug addiction. There are those who may have a pornography problem. Others may fight the daily desire to gamble. Now, while these things I listed are potential problems of selfishness, there are those who don't struggle with those things. And truth be told, even looking past those things, everyone needs help overcoming issues of self. Selfishness can take on many forms, including those that are peer pressured, those that are appreciation starved, those that are quality controlled, and those that are tenacity driven. Those are the four things I want to talk about in regards to selfishness. The peer pressured people seek to preserve themselves by blending into a crowd or uh, blending, blending their own responsibilities to fit with others in hope of acceptance. Their desire for self to be accepted is so strong that they are willing to morph themselves or change themselves into people others will love. And if I can say this in such a way, peer pressure is not something that is just reduced to one place or another. It's not something you find somewhere and not the other. 
It is something that is everywhere. It is something that's everywhere. And it may not even be something that is on purpose. But you may find yourself with the need to be accepted by others. An example that I can think of is every time you walk into any kind of store that you walk into, no matter what it is, you are met at the door with peer pressure saying, oh, you need to buy this. You can't live without that. If you don't buy this, you don't measure up. You can't live without this. Oh, you really need to get that. And let me tell you, when I walk into, oh, let's just say Walmart. I go to Walmart at least once, twice a day, something like that. But when I walk into Walmart, they've got all these chips on this side saying, if you don't buy these chips, you're walking out of the store empty-handed no matter what you came to the store for. Now, I've overcome that, and I don't buy those chips because I don't really like them, but they're put there in such a way to think, yeah, I should probably get those. Or, or you walk into the other door where they have these little grills that only last two days, but you've got to have this grill because if you don't have this grill, you're not going to be able to cook. You're not going to be able to do it. Am I, is that okay? You all get what I'm saying? <laughs> Another thing is you, you, you see these pictures of of these perfect people, these people that have these perfect looks. And the thought could cross your mind of, wow, I sure wish I could look like that. Or I sure wish I could resemble that in some way, shape, or form. Or, wow, they, they really have everything together. I, I wonder if I can have everything together if I look just like that. And if you find yourself there, let me remind you, Jesus loves you right where you're at. He loves you right where you're at. And that's not to say that He does not desire you to continue to grow. Because He does want you to continue to draw closer to Him and to grow in Him. And I want to encourage you today to keep drawing closer to Him. But this peer pressure problem that one may find themselves measuring up to one another which one needs to be careful of because they will find themselves always saying, well, he or she always does this better than me, or I will never be as good as him or her at that, which can birth a spirit of jealousy in a person. I was talking with somebody about this, and further things past that, if that spirit of jealousy births, that are much more dangerous. But with that, rather than measuring up to one another and trying to maybe fit in, measure yourselves up to Christ and His Word. Measure yourselves up to Him. His Word is forever settled in heaven. That should be the mark that we press toward. And while you may see others doing things that, man, you sure wish you could do, Think about where God wants you to be. Think about the talents that He's given you. Think about the opportunities that you have to be His witness where He has planted you. Hallelujah. This next form of selfishness is those who are appreciation-starved. If I were to ask by a show of hands, who loves to receive appreciation... I would imagine that many of you in here would raise your hand. 
And to be honest, I would raise my hand too. I love to be appreciated. And two, we, are, we here at the Church of Omaha do a great job of giving honor to our volunteers and take the time to nominate and appreciate a volunteer or two every month for their work for the kingdom. Quick shout out to Tim and Vonda who are our February volunteers of the month and everything that they're involved with here. Amen. We can clap our hands to that. Shout out to Brother Mac, who's downstairs, our January Volunteer of the Month, and, and all the ways that he serves here and his willingness to step in where needed. Amen. But the, the, appreciated, the appreciation starved are those, who, are those who only do things or buy things or, or say things or what have you so as to be noticed by others. They are so desperate to be appreciated that they will give of time and resources just to be noticed. Paul writes in Colossians 3.17, And whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. If we are giving thanks to Him in everything we do, shouldn't it be said that we are doing these things for Him rather than the accolades of others? Now, don't get me wrong. Like I said, who doesn't like to be appreciated? But that appreciation that you receive should only come as a result of the work you do for the Lord not just to get the attention of someone else. I better keep going. The, the third form of selfishness is that of what I found to be labeled as quality controlled. This is a preserving of self by correcting and even condemning others. This is their way of proving self to be worthwhile in contrast to those who somehow, some way, do not measure up to their values. It could even be misplaced, a misplaced effort to create flawless, non a flawless, non-offensive world to enjoy so they edit and confront everything until they can have things just the way they like it to be. If it's not done their way, then it won't be done. If it's not done their way, then it can't be done. This form haphazardly omits God from the equation. Another way this can be viewed is that of perfectionism. One who claims to be a perfectionist is one who refuses to accept any standard short of perfection. They are the ones who tend to drive out everything that is not of equal value, and as I stated, disregarding those who, th who they think are not of equal value. If you look at Romans chapter 12, verse 3, he, Paul says, For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. So the opposite of thinking highly is what? Thinking soberly. Thinking, I know that God is still working on me. Also thinking in regards to others of where God brought you from. 
You may see someone else there now where you once were and thinking soberly says, hey, God did it for me. He can do it for you. It's bringing them up. It's, it's taking their hand and saying, hey, I've been there. Let me show you. Let me show you the way. Let me show you what God did for me. If he did it for me, he can do it for you. Hallelujah. And the last form I will mention is that of the tenacity driven. Another way to say is, or to put this, is those who are pushy. Those who are pushing everything out of the way. People who fall into this form push. They'll bulldoze. They'll plow. They'll, they'll shovel. They'll do whatever method of removing everything in life in order to accomplish certain goals. I know we're going through some heavy stuff here, but stay with me. Because this form of selfishness also pushes aside others in pursuit of a goal. I've got to get where I need to go. Get out of my way. Excuse me, I'm coming through. Pardon me, I'm just going to walk right past you and give no regard. Kind of like those first two we read in our passage for today who just had places to be. They've had a goal to meet, so they gave no regard to who am I talking to today. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Now, please understand me that, that being driven, determined, and persistent are all great traits to have. They are. But, but if they are being used at the expense of others, then what have you gained? In these listed, to, to some extent or another, we are all naturally selfish. When Satan tempted Eve in the Garden of Eden, he appealed to her selfishness. He told her that she could be like God. It was not until after she was deceived that she saw that the forbidden fruit was pleasant to her eyes. Whoa, you see that thing over there? <laughs> I really want that now. I was just told that I could be like God. Oh, I wonder what that tastes like. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go eat it. You see, it, it wasn't, like I said, it wasn't appealed to her until after she was deceived, until she heard something outside of the Word, and she took that as the Word. It was not until after she removed herself from the connection with God that her selfish desires took over and she grabbed what appealed to her senses. Selfishness grasps for what is immediately gratifying. Selfishness grasps for what can I get right now. Now, I don't know how long the term instant gratification has been around or has been coined as such a phrase, but I know and read about the struggle for it since the very beginning of time, starting with Eve and moving on down to Lot and Abram. You're, if, you, if, if you can recall, when Abram and Lot split ways, Lot chose according to his selfish impulse. We read in Genesis 13 that Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plain of Jordan and that it was well watered everywhere. It was really good looking. It, it was a beautiful place. Lot chose what looked good and what he knew or at least what he thought would be good. A selfish decision chooses for a moment rather than for the legacy. Jesus was not driven by selfishness. 
I know, I know. Big surprise, right? No, I'm just kidding. But, but, he, but he taught those around him too. Not only was he selfless, but, but he taught those around him, them, him to, to be unselfish, to be selfless, and to look not every man on his own things, but even or every man also on the things of others. Jesus had an others first mindset. If you go with me to the book of Philippians chapter 2, Paul writes in verses 5 and 6, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Although Jesus came as fully man and fully God, did not think it, equality with God was to be something to be grasped at. But as we continue in verse 7, Paul writes, He made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And as we continue to read, doing so to the point of death, becoming obedient unto death, even death on the cross. Out of this selflessness he became exalted above all, that the name of every Jesus at the name of Jesus every knee would bow and every tongue would confess. So oh, hallelujah. And oh the urgent call for those who follow Christ to do the same, that the follower of Christ would share in the same character as Christ, that we would not fall into what we read a little further down in chapter 2 of Philippians of those who seek their own will and not the things of Christ. We must make sure that we are living like Christ, the example we are given of selflessness. Hallelujah. And as we have ventured on this topic of maturity during our our Wednesday nights, part of maturity is learning to deny yourself even the survival needs for a time. One learns to fast, giving up eating for a day or, or days in order or fasting social media or something like that to put others' needs first, to go without so that others can see Jesus. (laughs) One learns to give up their time to help others in need, even though they must maintain personal time as well. One must give up sleep sometimes in order to help the others through a crisis. Bishop, I don't know how many times you've been called through the night, but I thank you for waking up and for being there for the church and for being there for the people of God who needed you to be there. Pastor Lucas, you've probably had calls too where you've had to wake up at 2 or 3 o'clock. Some of, other, some of you others may have had calls where, hey, he's calling me. It's like 1230 in the morning, but I've got to take it because I've got to put his needs before my own. Not that we neglect our own needs. Hear me, but we put others first. And remember, God takes care of you. In addition to that, one may also learn to to give up finances to help others rather than spend money on themselves only. 
Oh, and I may be talking about some hard truths here, but but with these hard truths comes the victory over selfishness. Jesus, the only, excuse me, the one who we desire to be like in every way, did not die so that we could live according to our own agendas or ideas. No, he died for all that they which live should not live unto themselves, but to him which died for them and rose again. Oh, church, let us live for Christ. Let us not seek our own good, but also the good of others. Let us always take that higher road. Let us always take that road less traveled. Let us always be aware of what's going on around us, and let us be like Christ in everything we do. It may not be the American dream, but it is the Christ-like dream. Furthermore, it is the Christ-like reality. We should invest in others. We must be ready to go. One overcomes selfishness with humility. Humility that says, I am nothing without God. Humility that says, I'll do what his word says to do. You see, church, God humbles his people to restore and renew them. And in case you didn't know, he's in the restoring business. In case you didn't know, he's in the renewal business. He did it for me again. He can do it for you today. He is the only one that can renew and restore. Oh, I know that there are a lot of self-help books out there, and, and they may have some good stuff in them. I've read quite a few of them. But can I tell someone that Jesus is the only one who completely renews and restores? Hallelujah. You want to see a you want to see a self-help book. This may this talks about selflessness and helping others, but in turn God helps you. He sees your need. He sees your willingness to sacrifice that time. He sees your need to sacrifice your finances. He sees your need to sacrifice that sleep and he says, "Oh, I'm going to take care of him." Not that it, not that it's like a, not that that's a pretext for that because he takes care of you at all times, but he wants you to further that on to others. He wants you to take care of others. He desires to flow through you. Do you want to be that vessel for him? God humbles his people to renew and restore them. He is the one and only one who can completely transform the mind. He is the one who makes all things new. And again, to that, I want to say he did it for me. He can do it for you. And in addition to that, he did it for you. He can do it for others. Is that your desire, that he do that for you? Is that your desire, that he do it for others? What's more, humility before God is linked to God's favor. Watch this. Psalm 18:27 For you will save the afflicted people but will bring down high looks. Afflicted here is defined as humble. God will save the humble. There's favor and two will bring down the high looks or the proud. 
Psalm 25, 9, the meek he will guide in judgment, and the meek he will teach his way. The meek are those, again, who are humble. He will guide them in judgment, meaning he will guide them rightly. He will guide them in his righteousness, and he teaches them his way all starting with humility. And in Psalm 138.6, Though the Lord be high, yet he has respect for the lowly, but the proud he knows afar off. Respect unto the lowly, there's favor. Relying on that favor to save and further overthrowing the enemies. Relying on that favor to save you and to maybe pull you from where you need to be pulled from. Jesus stands there and says, I'm going to take care of your enemies for you. He stands guard at the gate as I preached on a couple weeks back. He stands guard as the shepherd of the gate while you stand behind and say, thank you, Lord, for taking care of those needs for me. Always being thankful that I have a shepherd who looks at after me. The list goes on and on, and I encourage you to go and look up these uh, examples of humility and favor and how they are linked to one another and how God favors those who are meek and humble before him. But one thing I want to say about humility is this. Humility is not, uh, excuse me, according to what the world it may be a sign of weakness. It's a part of your testimony. Why? For without humility, you wouldn't have had the realization that you need God to begin with. When God says that he resists the proud, the proud are those who think they can do it all themselves, as I mentioned moments ago. And I can think of a few times where I tried to take care of a, a situation or a problem myself, and in those times I can confidently say that they did not turn out for the better. And I can also think of those times on the flip side where I gave those things, those situations, where I gave it all to him, where I humbled myself in the presence of the Lord, and I can confidently declare to you that those times did turn out for the better. And I thank God for it. Hallelujah. Being humble before God is not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of complete surrender to God. It's saying, not my will, but yours be done in me. It's saying, not by might, not by power, but by your spirit. It's saying, I desire you to fill my cup, to be my joy, to be my peace, to be my source of everything. Thank you, Jesus. Humility before God is something that we need and it is who we are. It is what God desires from you. When Jesus told his disciples to take up their cross and follow him, he was giving them an ultimatum, if you will. The buck stops here. Either you take up your cross now or you just keep going. Carrying a cross was something that was one of the most, could have been one of the most humiliating things that any of them would ever have to ultimately do. It would be the greatest sacrifice but Jesus desired them to take it up no matter the cost and follow him. To sacrifice it all and count it all as loss, but loss for the cross. 
Oh, and if I can, you know, put, they, they put away their selfish desires, even though those desires may have sprung up again. They said, nope, I've got I've to put that aside for the cross. I've got to put that aside for what Jesus desires for me. And if I can just tell somebody here today, if you are at that place where you may be struggling or you maybe have given in to some of those selfish desires, I've come to you today to tell you that today is the day to make it right with him, to give those things to God, to humble yourselves before him. So why? So that he can lift you up. Oh, and if I can just touch on one more thing about this overcoming selfishness and the victory over it, Jesus, in the days leading up to his crucifixion, knew what had to be done. He knew what was about to occur, but in his humanity did not want to die so much that he prayed, let this cup pass from me. But what did he do? He surrendered all to the divine will, saying, not as I will, but as thou wilt. Oh, that this would be the prayer for all. Not as I will, but as thou wilt. You see, church, it is easy to be selfless on one's own terms. It can be difficult, however, to give something when it takes you, uh, excuse me, when it takes away from self. Jesus modeled such spontaneous selflessness when John the Baptist had been brutally executed. Jesus got away from everyone for a time, like anyone else would want to, for an undistracted time of grieving. But when the people found out where he was, they came a-running toward him. They came a-crowding toward him. And rather than becoming upset at their being there, what we may see as inconsiderate, he had compassion on them and gave of himself. Sometimes there are legitimate reasons not to give. I get that. I understand that. But selflessness gives anyway. I'm reminded of the widow and the child who were, who were near starvation in the book of 1 Kings, the woman who had just lost her husband and the drought had left her with little to no food. She and her son had one meal left. And talk about a legitimate reason not to give. This last meal would not be much of a meal either, but as the story goes and as we read, when Elijah came to town and called on her for a drink and then asking for a morsel of bread, she replied, I don't have any cake, but only a handful of meal in a barrel, and I only have a little bit of oil. I don't have much. I'm gathering these sticks for my son and I to eat our last meal. Elijah followed up after she said that, after she had the realization of, oh, this could be the very last thing I could ever eat. He followed up with a promise from the Lord. And as she went and did what Elijah instructed her to do, making that cake for him and her son and for herself, as the Lord said, the meal did not run dry until the rain came. Hallelujah. The widow could have just shrugged off his needs and eaten the last of what he and her, she and her son had to eat, but instead she practiced selflessness. Selflessness may not always be the easy route, but humbly it is always the right route. I know I desire to be more selfless each day. I know that there are days where I feel like the widow when it's time to give 
but I give anyway. I know there are days where there may be some pain involved in being selfless and having that compassion for others, but keep on going. We read time and time again of acts, selfless acts throughout Scripture, and I know that I have just named a few, but selflessness in the life of believers manifests in their generosity and support for others. Paul explained at length his commitment to do whatever it took to win others to the truth. And in closing, I want to read this passage in 1 Corinthians, beginning with verse 19. Paul says, For though I be free from all men, yet have I made myself servant to all, that I might gain the more. And to the Jews I became a Jew, that I might gain the Jews." To them that are under the law, as under the law, that I might gain them that are under the law. To them that are without the law, as without the law, being not without the law to God, but under the law to Christ, that I might gain them that are without law. To the weak became I as weak, that I might gain the weak. I am made all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. And this I do for the gospel's sake, that I might be a partaker thereof with you. Church, this whatever-it-takes mindset may cause some sleepless nights. It may cause some financial drain. It may cause some adjusting to uncomfortable situations and much more, but it is worth it all in the end to see that soul saved, to see that light light up in that person that you've just witnessed to, to see them see what you see and receive it in such a way. You see, it's foundational in who we are and to our compassion toward others. Because in order to be compassionate to others, we've got to put those things aside. I know I've been talking about that a lot, but hear me and understand that that compassion for others starts with humbling yourselves. It starts with saying, well, I can put that aside for a moment because I've got to reach them. And when we have the mindset to go and reach others, and as I showed you, you know, a few months back where, where I reached for somebody down in the depth, go ahead, where I reached for somebody down here, and I said, yeah, I know you're there, but I can bring you up. I want to bring you up. I may be struggling over here. I may be struggling over here, but I've got you. I've got to take you with me, because if I don't take you with me, I'm not doing what the Word tells me to do. You see, when we've got the other's mindset, these things will eventually, at some point, take care of themselves. You can come back to those things for a time, but you may never get an opportunity again to witness to this other. You may not have another opportunity to witness to that coworker. You may not have another opportunity, thank you, to witness to that friend, to witness to that neighbor, to witness to those around you, to be Jesus to others. I wonder if we can receive that right now. 
You see, love cares for others more than self. Love gives even when it hurts. Love seeks the advantage of someone else rather than self. And part of the very foundation of the gospel is selflessness. Jesus laid down his life for all. We are to lay down our lives for others. Stand with me. And I just want us to pray for a moment and receive that. And, and, and if, like I said earlier, if you've got something inside of you that maybe, maybe you've given into something selfish or maybe you're not even aware of it, just pray, Lord, and say, Lord, not my will, but yours be done. Let us pray in Jesus' name. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for being that comfort. We thank you for being that peace that passes understanding. We thank you for your word, which is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Right now, Lord, I pray that you'd search the very depths of our heart. And if there's anything that's not of you, God, I pray that you remove it and you fill yourselves up inside of us, Lord Jesus. You fill us up with your love. You fill us up with your goodness. You fill us up, oh God, with your boldness. You fill us up, oh God, with you and everything that you have called us to be. Oh God, you have called us to the depths. You have called us to the depths, not to stay there, but to begin to pull others out. Oh God, help us to see that in our own lives and see those opportunities that come before us and see those things that you desire us to see in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Why don't we clap our hands to the Lord? Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Hallelujah. God bless you all. In Jesus' name, go and have compassion for others. Hallelujah. Be back here in 10 minutes. We're taking a quick break. Hallelujah. God bless you.